So we have two readings. And our first reading is from the book of Matthew. And the second reading, after uh, Maria's done her short, after we've had our second hymn and Maria's done her short report, will be from Luke chapter 10. So please turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. The model prayer. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your father who's in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner therefore pray. Our father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forget our de- forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and forever. Amen. Right, we're now going to turn to our second reading. <coughs> From the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 10, verse 21 to 24. Chapter 11, verse 1 to 4. Jesus rejoices in the Spirit. And please pay particular note to verse 24. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes, his disciples. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. What intimacy between the Lord Jesus Christ and his heavenly Father. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son and the one whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see, and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear, and have not heard it. Now, that must refer to the way the Lord Jesus Christ revealed himself and prayed. And so we go over to chapter 11 and the first four verses. Now there are five very small deviations from the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and Luke. And that leads us to suggest that the Lord's Prayer is a pattern for prayer, not one to be followed word for word slavishly, like it's a magic token. It isn't. It's a pattern for prayer. But what a lovely question from the or a request from the disciples the model prayer luke 11 verse 1 
Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, <coughs> excuse me, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. So a question, and I do want you to answer this. Don't just sit there and put your hands down and say, I'm not going to answer that. Can you remember a favourite teacher? I've got one. Lisa, can you remember a favourite teacher? Did you not have any favourite teachers? Maria? Yeah? Can you name him or her? Oh, really? What do you think? Yes, Janet. We're getting somewhere. Go on, Janet. Miss Davidson. And which school was that at? Right. Was it pri- was it primary or senior? Senior. Senior, right. Why was why was Miss Davidson so good? Miss Davidson was a Christian. Oh, excellent. And uh, she took us to scripture. Excellent. So she really taught what she believed, rather than many RE teachers. Rosie, did you have a favourite teacher? I'd say my Sunday school teacher, Maureen McKellar. Oh, fair enough. All right, we'll let you off. Sunday school teacher as well. What about you, John? Uh, Miss Kidd. Miss Kidd. And was she Miss Kidd or... Well, was she kidding all the time? Or was she a good teacher? Excellent. And which school was that at? And what? Almost comprehensive. Oh my goodness! Oh, she, so she was clever, yeah. cleverer than you. She must have been. She was teaching you. Okay, David. Did you ever have a favourite teacher at school? What teacher? <laughs> it wasn't that bad, was it? Right. Oh, that's all right. Okay. I think, I think we can all remember our favourite teacher. So I went to uh, Christ Church, passed my 11 plus, and went to Ormsgate Grammar School. And I had took an immediate liking to a very old lady whose name was Miss Eaton, and her nickname was Moth Eaton. She was that old. And she was our history teacher. And she taught us something about history I've never, ever forgotten. She said, listen... Blacksall. It was no first name terms then. It's not touchy-feely like it is now. History's all about people, not facts and figures and dates and things like that. They will come into it, but I want you to learn about people because people make history. And I've never forgotten that. All the time she took us to our front room on St. Helens Road. You could never do this nowadays. A group of young sixth formers to her home to learn history. And one of the things I've written down here is something we learned from, uh, oh, hundreds of thousands of years ago. It was a little song. There was a film out called Alfie. What's it all about, Alfie? We learned what's it all about, Alfie. He was one of the Norman kings. But anyway, you never forget silly things like that, do you? Well, we're going to consider tonight the best teacher in the whole wide world. So we must pay attention to what he teaches us. And we're going to look at the Lord's Prayer in two ways. We're going to see how we shouldn't pray and in which way we shouldn't pray. 
And then we're going to learn, and we know the Lord's Prayer, how we should pray and why we should pray in a certain way. Now, I was amazed when I put into Google how-to books, and I came up with the how-to books, and they're all for dummies. Now, the disciples weren't dummies. They weren't stupid, but they were uneducated working men. They needed to know how to pray. They had seen the Lord Jesus Christ praying and they knew that when he prayed, he really prayed. Perhaps some of you might remember the great confrontation on Mount Carmel where the prophet makes fun of all those who are praying to the prophet Baal with the vain repetitions. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ said we shouldn't do. We do not need to use vain repetitions. And one of my favourite portions of the Gospel of John is when the Lord Jesus Christ goes to the temple. This is a time when the lady caught in adultery is brought in and we read this of him. He went to the temple and he taught the people. I've made reference to this before. Perhaps a modern preacher might take a guitar and sing to them or tell a few jokes and make a few observations. But the Lord Jesus Christ, having a captive audience, sir, with minds and hearts and consciences, taught them. He sat down and he taught them. And they said, no man ever spake like this man. He was different because he didn't just teach. He taught by example. And we see that, don't we, later in John chapter 8. If he's teaching about mercy... Here's a lady brought in sin, and he's merciful. If he's teaching about forgiveness, here's a lady who needs forgiveness, and he forgives her. If he's, talking about, if he's teaching about grace, and God is gracious and kind, he shows it in his example. So, two readings are both sides of the same coin. How are we not to pray? Number one, don't pray like a hypocrite. The Lord says in Matthew, be honest with God. Now, sometimes churches have what are called experience meetings. And it's very much along this line. What is prayed in the prayer meeting stays in the prayer meeting. I.e., this is not a fertile ground for gossip and innuendo and talking about people. If we are Christians, we should be able to trust one another what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. Well, we should in part reflect that as we are honest with one another and honest with God as we come to prayer. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows what's on our mind. He knows what sins we've committed today. We can't put on a mask and pretend to be someone we're not. Because the Lord knows us and we're glad of that. We are glad we are coming to someone who knows us better than we ourselves so we don't have to put on a show. We can be honest with God. And secondly, don't use vain repetitions. That's one of the things that made me very suspicious even as a young boy going to Christ Church. Why do we always pray the same prayers and read them from books? Even then, I became a Christian when I was 14 years old, but even before then, I had this strange feeling, the vicar's just going through the motions, and everybody else is. They're picking up a hymn book, they're saying amen, he's reading a prayer, they're saying amen. 
that's not what I know about prayer from the Bible. And I wasn't even saved then, but I, I knew there was something strange about it. Now then, every Wednesday afternoon when I'm coming home in my minibus and I'm on my own, I will listen to the Radio Free Afternoon Service. Now, that's scripture readings, that's prayers read out of a book, the collect for the day, if you remember what that was. And in the right place, in a cathedral or a grand setting, it sounds absolutely magnificent. But we're not in a cathedral tonight. We're with family and friends. And so we don't have to use vain repetitions because people know us, God knows us. So really, don't be a hypocrite and don't use vain repetitions. God looks on the heart. Turn please to Luke chapter 18 for another brilliant prayer that the Lord Jesus Christ commends. You'll know all of these, but it's good to be reminded of this short, simple, unsophisticated prayer, Luke 18, verse 9, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others, i.e. the hypocrites, the one with the vain repetitions. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus of himself, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So, if we know how not to pray, how are we to pray? Well, how gracious of the Lord Jesus Christ to give us a pattern for prayer. We see three different headings, and we're going to think of three different headings. First of all, who taught them? what he taught them, and why he taught them this particular prayer. Now then, John wants to know, where are you preaching? And I keep forgetting to tell him. But, for the record, on Sunday morning I was at Bethany and Lee, and I've been invited back there. Uh, late August and early September I've been booked for four Sundays at Bryn in Wigan, a small evangelical church, which had a sad split quite a few years ago, but seems to have recovered from the, the doctrinal split they had. I go to Stanley Park in Liverpool. If you've never ever been to Stanley Park, I commend it to you. It's huge. Very strange, when I was there last time, there was a massive poster opposite advertising free players from Everton called the Holy Trinity. I thought that was very ironic given the fact they're opposite an evangelical gospel-believing church and there's that blasphemy over the road. No one from Stanley Park has yet defaced it, but give them time. You never know, do you? I go to Chorley and I go to Diva. But 
at one of these churches every single Sunday. And it's not just a tradition. They really mean what they say. The whole congregation at the end of the prayer time join together and say the Lord's Prayer. And in my mind, that sets the tone for the preaching of the word. The people are settled, the people are agreed, and the people have prayed. And so the Lord's Prayer has this effect. No matter who you are, how rich, how young, how old, how educated, if you're a Christian, this is the family prayer that you can pray. And you can do so because the Lord Jesus Christ has taught it to Christians and they have had it dear in their hearts right down the ages and to today as the family prayer. So who taught them? Well, that's an easy one to answer. The Lord Jesus Christ. He lived a life of prayer. Morning and evening, he would pray. He was insistent uh, in his prayers. And he prayed for many things and many people and many situations. And he had such a compassionate and intimate relationship with his heavenly father, he was able to say to his disciples from our first reading, you will hear things that other people don't hear. So pay close attention. And they obviously did. What did he pray? He prayed this pattern prayer. And we're going to look in a moment at uh, the reason for that from a book I've been reading recently, and I make no um, apologies for quoting at length from this, The Lord's Pattern for Prayer. It's by a man called Peter Masters. And if you've been uh, reading your ET, he was the first editor of ET. He can be rather a divisive character, Peter Masters, because he's been at the Metropolitan Tabernacle for about 50 years, and everybody highly respects him. Nothing wrong in that, but he can be rather a divisive character, because sometimes if Peter Masters doesn't say you can do it, you can't do it. Well, we don't have a Christianity like that. But anyway, we'll look in a few moments at the aspects he brings out of what we can pray about. And we ask the question, why did he teach them this particular prayer? Well, it was definitely short, it was definitely simple, and it teaches us to do three things, which reminds me of Malcolm Thornton, A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thankfulness, and supplication. Four basic items of prayer. Now, Andrew, I'm going to pick you out now. It's lovely to hear you pray, and I have commended you on your prayers. Prayers do not have to be long and involved. Prayers come from the heart. Andrew's prayers come from the heart. How long have you been a believer now for, Andrew? A year? 18 months? Yeah, that's great. It's great to hear you pray. It's amazing when we hear new Christians pray. So as um, we consider why, I want to bring out three things, and I'm going to read at length um, from this book. Proof for a pattern prayer. After this manner, therefore, pray. We may trace a prayer 
sorry, we may trace the term the Lord's Prayer back to Cyprian of Carthage, AD 250, although its use as a recited prayer precedes even that date. In our day, it's a very moving fact that millions of unconverted people know this much about the true faith. They know how to say the Lord's Prayer. What right do we have to delve into and amplify the lines of this most famous of all prayers? Should it be so regarded as sacrosanct and just kept as a recited prayer? We must explore it, because it was intended by the Lord to be a pattern or outline of prayer topics and encouragements which would inspire and shape our prayers. Now, you might have heard of a man called R.C. Sproul. Uh, he used to have a radio programme, and I always remember reading, uh, listening to one of his programmes one Friday evening, and he was telling us about how Luther prayed. And one of the things that Luther would do regularly would pray his way through the Ten Commandments to remind himself of his own sin. Okay? And that would lead him to praise to his Saviour. John Calvin said long ago, but its importance lay not much in the literal words as in their content. So, here are three indications why the Lord's Prayer is meant as a pattern. First of all, it follows a request, Lord, teach us to pray. The most natural understanding of this request is they wanted more than a set form of words. They did not ask, teach us a prayer, but teachers how to pray now then i'm sorry i keep talking to you janet but do you remember a book called leading little ones to god my oh yes thank you rosie's chipped in what a brilliant book anybody else remember it we've still got a copy it's a fabulous fabulous book and we had a lesson from it every night when the girls were going to bed now I know that children who are born in Christian homes do not automatically become Christians, but that does not mean to say that the Lord does not bless reading good, wholesome Christian books. Ezra won't understand yet, you've got a couple of years. Try and get a copy, try and get a copy of Leading Little Ones to God. It's brilliant. And the Lord honours those who truly pray with their children, with their grandchildren, and to teach your children this prayer, teach us to pray, Grandad, teach us to pray, Dad, etc., etc. We can say, well, the Lord taught his disciples to pray, let's say this prayer together. So that's number one. It was a pattern for prayer. The disciples did not say, teach us a prayer, but teach us how to pray, and there's a big difference. Number two. When the Lord taught the same, prayer, the same prayer on another occasion, and we read it from Luke 11, he put it slightly differently, with five minor variations, including one entirely different word, and with the doxology, for thine is the power, the glory, forever and ever, amen, omitted. If he'd intended to teach a strict form of praying just to recite, he would have given precisely the same prayer on both occasions. And that's why I refer to the Church of England, where they go through the motions and listen to the Sunday service on Radio 4 or the afternoon service on Radio 3 on a Wednesday. And you will see they are going through the motions. Whether their heart is in it, 
I really don't know, but we must be very sure that we're not just saying a prayer, reciting the words, but we really say what we mean and mean what we say. And our final point, it's extremely significant that all the petitions are very sure, short, sorry, suggesting they were intended to serve as headings. So, forgive us our debts, and we've spoken about uh, Luther praying through the Ten Commandments. As we think about that, we think about our debts, we think about forgiveness, and the same thing is replicated right through the prayer. We know from other prayers in the Bible that appeals for forgiveness should be more lengthy than just four words. When the believer repents, he's conscious of his sins or of his worst sins and ashamed of them and ready to name and turn from them. So an unspecific four-word repentance, forgive us our debts, is not enough. All the other petitions have a greater significance than the obvious meaning. For example, thinking about our Father designed to draw the soul near to God by reminding of us of his fatherliness and kindness, which art in heaven, is more than a description of God's location, but reminds of his infinite majesty and power. Tertullian, writing in the second century, said this prayer was as copious in meaning as it is condensed in expression. Each, repet each petition has a grand objective, there are no vague or merely poetic petitions, nor any repeti repetition or overlapping thoughts. Here is a full range of topics to be included in our prayers, but in our personal praying, we can go into greater detail. So, there is the Lord's Prayer. We've had a very short examination of it. I'm sure we can all say it. I'm sure we all agree with its sentiments. I'm sure we can repeat it to our children and grandchildren. But the one thing that concerns me, it's great to see you here tonight. But do we need a revival of our church prayer meeting where we see every church member at least coming regularly to our prayer meeting so that when we pray the family prayer, we're keeping it with the family and in the family and God sees and honours that prayer because he sees so many people perhaps praying it together. Perhaps we should have the Lord's Prayer on a regular basis at Orton Park Baptist Church to remind us of the things that we can pray for and why we should pray for them. But this is a wonderful, wonderful prayer. Um, I, I did two firsts recently. I took a, well, I didn't take a funeral service. I spoke at a funeral service for Jim Hannon. That was in early May. That was quite uh, difficult in that I'd never, ever done it before. But Billy asked me to speak at communion. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, thy will be done. We looked at the five of the many things that the Lord Jesus Christ did and the few thoughts, thy will be done. As we thought of the promises that Jesus kept the things he was asked to do, the things he came to do, the things he actually did in keeping that wonderful, wonderful, just one line of the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Perhaps this evening, as our final prayer, we will finish by saying the Lord's Prayer and actually saying what we mean and meaning what we say. Amen.